You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 238 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stemmings and joining me here in the PTUK studios, as always, is my co-host Matt Smith. Oh, well, hello everyone. And how are you, Matt? Oh, I'm, well, I'm living life's eternal dream every oh, good, good. single day. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> how about you? Oh, I'm very well, very well. It's, uh, it's been, it was kind of a stressful week because at the beginning of this week we had um, a, an upgrade in, in process kind of a, of happening, which was the P2K <laughs> broadcast tower has, been, it, has been... Explain to me how it was stressful for you. <laughs> well, you were messaging me all through yeah, the no, build process, right. yeah, so yeah, I was yeah, kind no, of, you yeah. know, but I knew it would all go well. So... Uh, Yes. Uh, we, we do have to say, obviously, a big thanks to everyone who contributes to us through Patreon yep. because you guys have enabled us to upgrade the broadcast tower, yes. which means that uh, we now can stream in a slightly higher frame rate. Yes, indeed, yes. And also, um, as opposed to last week where we were getting a processor uh, CPU Warnings. of 100%, <laughs> uh, what are we on now, Matt? We are currently on 23%. 23% <laughs> of the processor, that is, that which means we are... Uh, can I just say, actually, can I, can I do a personal shout-out, actually? My personal thanks, please, to the guy that actually built it for me, which is a lovely chap by the name of Rob Sheldrake, who is uh, one of my longest-suffering friends. I think that's the best way to describe it. He and I Act, believe it or not, I did go to school, and that's who I went to school with. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so my personal thanks to Rob Sheldrake, who has done a stunning job. And then Nev will tell you when he reappears, uh, yeah. hopefully at some point, uh, uh. that uh, <laughs> the, 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 the cable work that he's done inside is award-winning. It is, you know, cable management to be proud of oh, right there. Anyway, uh, so, so, yes, thank you very much to everyone who's helped us uh, pull Yes, together. a big uh, thanks to everyone. It's oh, 24% now. Oh, dear. Oh, we're all I know, it's wow. one. <laughs> so uh, we obviously, as Matt just said, we haven't got Nev with us at no. the moment. Well, we have a lovely still before he fell offline. But we have that still, <laughs> still shot there. <laughs> just Nev. to keep us amused. For Unfortunately, for those of you uh, who may live in the UK who are watching the show, we have had uh, rather strong winds here Indeed. Uh, in the UK today, mm. and uh, because of that, Nev has lost power. Yes. So. Uh, <laughs> He's in the process of waiting for the power company to turn his power back on or, yes. or put a fuse in or do something with the cables. Uh, but we have got someone in the studio with us joining yes. us this week. And uh, welcome back onto the show, Armando. Hi there. Happy to be back. I'll try to do my best Neville Bounds uh, accent. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely. For those things that... Bit of, bit of Queen's oh, English. Off you yeah. go. Yes. Yeah. Good luck with that. You know what? I know better than that than to even pretend. I'll just stick with my Texas accent. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, never mind. Somebody's got to. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, how are things for you, uh, Armando? Good, good? Yeah, really well. Um, I've been kind of on the road a little bit again, uh, just going back to the U.S. and uh, traveling through Europe. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, since last time I was here, I've flown on a few different airlines, so I, I'll have to go with Nev to do a, a passenger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there's yeah. goods and there's bads and there's <laughs> you know the, the usual. Yeah. Of course, uh, can I, I, I'd like to quite say actually that while you were in, in a certain place in Paris, something rather special happened, if I recall. I don't know, Matt. What are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Could I, it be that somebody might have got engaged I, while they were in Paris? I mean, come on, guys. I did. No, I'm, I'm not talking to you, and there's a very good reason for that because people like you make it very difficult for people like me taking your missus to Paris to propose. Uh, I mean. 
Come on, that's just not I, fair. I, I used SkyMiles. <laughs> it was an Airbnb. It was fine. Yeah, whatever. No, I, yeah, I did get engaged to my lovely co-pilot, yes. um, Megan, who uh, I'm probably the luckiest man on the earth because she does love to fly also. And you know, Woo-hoo! you know, Jody, those are hard to find. <laughs> Anybody that authorizes you to buy a family bonanza is a keeper. <laughs> wow. That's okay. I proposed yeah. on the spot. <laughs> yes, I, I don't believe you. That is the technical definition of the keeper, yes. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> right. Indeed. Yeah. And on that note, we have to welcome onto the show for the first time a very special guest indeed. She's not only a commercial airline pilot, but also a aerobatics pilot as well, and flies the awesome pits, uh, which we've all seen at the air shows here in the UK, around the different uh, air shows here, which is awesome. But welcome onto the show, Jody Ruger. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so Jody, whereabouts on the fine planet Earth are you? I am in Toronto, Ontario right now. Wow, it's a lovely part of the world. I'm guessing it's less windy there than it is here, Jody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yesterday we got a little bit, but nothing that would knock out the power. <laughs> so I think you guys have it a little worse. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, it, mind you, mind you. To be fair, I mean, especially out there, I mean, the the extremes of weather are, are nothing like um, you know here. We, I mean, we get a little. Yeah, you bit get soft. real snow. Yeah, Jody. absolutely. Actual, actual snow. snow. Not <laughs> snow. No blizzards. Uh, actually, Ottawa had a tornado not too long ago. Wow. No, that's okay, we didn't scary. get that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Auntie Liz is saying hi, by the way, Jodie, because she's actually based in Toronto as well. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, small world, isn't it? Uh, okay, uh, Carlos, we should, uh, we should probably do some. Yes, stuff. yes, I think uh, we should do. Hopefully Nev will be joining hopefully us later, Nev. by the way. So we're, ju- we're just waiting for the power to come back, and so then he will join us at some point, quick we hope. Quick time check then. It is the 12th of October. It is uh, just coming up to 20 past 7 in the evening here in the UK. And uh, we've got uh, loads of stuff to pack into the show this week. We've got the regular news stories coming up first. We've also got uh, the very last of our interviews from Farnborough uh, 2018 this year, which uh, features uh, Captain Nick, Dr. Steph from APG, from the Airline Pilot Guy Show. And also we've got a special interview as well, which uh, Captain Al... Um, he was he put on his serious cap, Captain Did Al. Did he? What? And the Captain the Al. The Captain Al put really? on his serious cap, <laughs> and he uh, had a good chat with dispatcher Mike. And this was at Oshkosh this oh. year, and uh, uh, Captain Al had a chat with him. So we've got those coming up uh, midway through the show, and then we of course are going to have a real damn good chat with Jody all about her flying career and uh, yeah. how things got started with uh, her. So we are going to start the show then as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. I am. And if you're ready, Armando. Ready to go. And if you're ready, Jody. Yeah. Let's go. So, kicking off this week's first news story, this one is on the standard.co.uk website. Uh, The Evening Standard. The Evening Standard, (laughs) yes. And the uh, headline, it's one of the ones you probably most people would have seen this week in the news. It's uh, obviously the longest commercial flight, Uh uh, which took off this week. So, Singapore Airlines, longest flight. (laughs) I'm going to interrupt you there very briefly, actually. Just say, you see, this guy here actually sent us, we have a little WhatsApp group chat, and he actually sent us a link, you know, were you actually sitting there watching? 
watching it through, like them taking off and doing all that on the. Oh, you were, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh dear. Thank you. Hasht- yeah. How long is the flight? Geek. Remind me. Hashtag Avkeek. Yeah. Know. Yeah. So the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the world's longest non-stop flight made its history by taking off from Singapore to dur- uh, fly directly to New York. The uh, record-breaking flight took off after being delayed for a few minutes. Oh, well. Oh, no. <laughs> a few on, minutes uh, on a flight that long. On Thursday <laughs> afternoon, Singapore Airlines is relaunching uh, the service for the first time in five years. The flight was originally too expensive. The airline will be able to take passengers from Singapore to New York in 19 hours. The flight took off at 11.35 p.m. Uh, Singapore time or 4.35 p.m. UK time with lucky passengers tweeting images of the cushy interior. Shortly before takeoff, the airline posted online, counting down to the launch of our non-stop flight to New York on the Airbus A350 Ultra Long Range. The long-haul flight covers 15,000 kilometres or 9,300 miles and travels between Changi Airport to Singapore to the Newark International Airport in New Jersey near New York. And for passengers facing the long journey, the seats appear to be wide and come with a very comfortable pillow, but I think that is actually in business class, not economy. The airline bosses said that there was barely a seat to spare as they find generally when stopover services replaced with a non-stop on their ticket sales when go up threefold on the sales, obviously, for the uh, flight. Qantas launched a 17-hour non-stop service from Perth to London early this year, while Qatar, Qatar, Cutter runs a 17 and a half hour service between Auckland and Doha. Uh, Singapore told BBC that there were only 67 business class seats and 94 premium economy on the luxury A350, but no standard class is available. Oh. That's me and you, ain't Matt. The uh, flight has overtaken the 17-hour Qantas route from Perth to London as the longest in the world. Business class seating on Singapore's airline, the new A350 at 900 ULR. Uh, the flight will not offer any economy seating at all. Sa- uh, Singapore reportedly purchased seven of the aircraft, which were designed to replace the 777s uh, for uh, use between 20 and 30% less fuel, according to the airline. The company abandoned its marathon Newark and Los Angeles routes in 2013 when high fuel prices made the use of the four-engined Airbus A340-500 jets uneconomic. Ha <laughs> ha Captain Nick. <laughs> and uh, they say that they expect Singapore Airlines to regain the market share, especially in the premium travel market. Now, it's safe to say that we've been talking about this for a while on the show, and uh, for me, I couldn't care less. It was a 19 or 90-hour flight, to be fair. <laughs> but Jody, as our guest, how would you feel about uh, a 19-hour flight uh, on the Singapore Airlines? <laughs> I, uh, I've never been off the continent, sadly. I'm a very ill-traveled pilot. I've been all over North America, <laughs> but I have no experience when it comes to 19-hour uh, flights. Would, would, <laughs> would it appeal to you, though? That's, that's the question. Comfortable seat. Yeah, I w- think... Would, uh, would that appeal to you, though? I mean, would, would you be able to cope, you know... Or, I mean, me per- speaking personally, my idea of being on an aeroplane for 19 hours is my... Well, it's a very unique brand of hell, as far as I'm concerned. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and uh, uh, Owen's just texted me saying apparently they're, they're they're only premium economy. There's there's no economy. No seats, economy. Per se, so. no. Yeah, and um, I think we were talking in a different episode how like economy class doesn't actually make the airline any money. It's all really yeah. the seats up front oh, that yeah. make the money. So I think it's a good move for them to yeah to make yeah. it all something that's going to make it you know revenue generating. Yeah. 
I think for 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 night four for nineteen hours, you know, if you're in a premium economy or premium seat, it's obviously going to be a lot more comfy than a, a standard economy class seat. But then, so is being in business class or first class. I think uh, if you are flying that, you would definitely be um, very happy indeed. Either well, way, that's happier. a long time in an airplane. It, oh, it is a long time in an airplane. Time. However you dress it up, it's a very long time to be in yeah. an airplane. <laughs> I don't think anyone in the chat room really cares. They they love flying, so they'll be well up for that. Yeah, okay, if you say so, <laughs> I'll believe you. We'll move on, okay. shall we? On to the next to story. To the next story. <laughs> yeah, this is on the Chronicle Live. And uh, the headline is Ter- Tenerife Misery as Ryanair offer passengers £3.50 vouchy. Vouchy? <laughs> vouchy. <laughs> I'm sorry. A it's budget. been a long week. Uh, during a 14-hour delay. So that's not great, is it? So a holidaymaker has slammed Ryanair after she was delayed for over 14 hours and offered just £3.50 for food. Livid Sheridan Bywater claims uh, the offer was so meagre she didn't even bother spending it. And the Jarrow woman insists... I wouldn't fly with Ryanair again in a million years. A Ryanair spokesman said that the firm told Sheridan via a text message three days before her flight that there would be potential disruption. The 53-year-old had enjoyed a week-long Tenerife trip with family when strike action left her stranded. Uh, The budget airline grounded 80 flights on the 28th of September, including Sheridan's, and she claims she only received three hours notice that her 7am Newcastle Airport flight was scrapped, causing carnage at the airport. The queues were just horrendous and and almost at the other end of the airport, she claimed. Uh, We were hearing rumours there were no flights until the following day and panicking about how we would get home. We got a message at 1am saying the flight was cancelled, three hours notice, so uh, so what are you supposed to do? Uh, We had no option other than to go there and see what happened. But when we were there, people were so squashed in, you could see them breathing on each other's neck. Oh, that's a lovely thought. Uh, And all they offered us was two bottles of water and a voucher for £3.50. You can't buy anything to eat in an airport for that. That is a good point, actually. £3.50 is not going to buy... That's not going to get you I'm not even sure £3.50 in in, in an airport will buy you a bottle of water, let alone... Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Indeed. Anyway, even a McDonald's milkshake was about €5. Eventually, they flew back to Britain on Jet 2, but landed hundreds of miles away in Birmingham. Uh, The bill for three last-minute flights for Sheridan, her sister and brother-in-law, cost £550. My nephew had to pick us up but we had to pay £70 petrol. In total, she fears the saga could cost her over £600 cash. She's now waiting to see if she'll get that back. Well, I think it's safe to say that she probably won't get that back. <laughs> but, I was just, um, just, got, uh, just actually looking looking on the yeah. uh, currency converter, just for, obviously for our guest Jody. Uh, that equates to about six Canadian dollars. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that's not going to get you a lot. Uh, as in no, to, especially not at an airport. No, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> Where, weren't you just talking right? about trip insurance and what a good investment that is? Yeah, holiday insurance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Always go with the holiday insurance. So moving on to the next story, then, and uh, well, it's. Do you want to take this one? Because obviously uh, Nev's not here, Armando. So do you want to? Uh, sure. Uh, it's from Business Traveler. British Airways plans to operate the A380 to Dubai. Woohoo! Uh, British Airways, I just said that. Um, It's believed that it's the first time British Airways will have taken its A380 flagship to Dubai on a daily scheduled basis. Spring 2019, during the time of the runway maintenance in Dubai, which I think you guys talked about a couple weeks ago, Mm. uh, will be operating its flagship A380 daily out of London Heathrow. Uh, BA taking advantage of its 
A380's superior capacity between April 16th, May 4th, and it will op operate only one daily flight. Uh, there's no official announcement yet. Uh, it'll operate as uh, BA-107 and BA-106 on the return trip. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. So it means uh, for the first time, BA will have a worthy product to compete with Emirates on this route. Uh, it must be remembered that BA is a hub airline carrying many of its passengers through rather than to or from London Heathrow. So uh, these are perfectly timed flights for those passengers that will be making connections to or from domestic mainland Europe and transatlantic destinations. Uh, let's see. Moving ahead. Uh, yep. Uh, they say in order to ensure we're carrying as many passengers during this time, we plan to operate one of our flights using a larger A380. That's from a BA spokesperson. And um, yeah, so it's got some flight numbers uh, for their BA-105, BA-104. Uh, BA would normally operate up to three daily flights on this route. I think it's safe to say with BA taking obviously the uh, London or the, uh, the UK to Dubai route, obviously that's been a huge Emirates market for God knows how many years. And yeah, right. having having been a, a frequent flyer with Emirates to Dubai on the 380 with them, um, BA are going to have to really, really push the boat out big time to compete with Emirates um, on that route, I think, because Emirates do offer one heck of a package with a economy. Mm. Um, so, and I've, I've obviously, you know, I've flown with BA as well on the on the Dreamliner and the Triple Seven, and you know, it's um, be interesting to see quite what they offer in regards to service on this particular route so do you know what they usually fly on there on that route uh, it's, a not, it's a triple seven uh, they have started using the dreamliner the dash nine actually ba um and the triple seven as well but um obviously they're trying to compete obviously yeah. with emirates using the 380 because it is is a very busy route i mean I've, I've like i said i've flown that route with emirates quite a number of times on the 380 and that flight is always full yeah, always full yeah. every time it is a very, very popular route indeed from uh, from the UK to Dubai. So, well, there you go. Now Nev has a new destination to go yeah, to. Nev, yeah, Nev. There we yeah, go. Absolutely. I know you're watching somewhere, Nev. Yeah, yeah, with, some, with some power, he's got his. He's, uh, he's trying to anyway. His yeah. Duracell batteries here in <laughs> yeah. somewhere. Uh, so the next story, uh, moving on, and uh, this one. Uh, well, oh no, it's special. A it's a competitor. It's a competitor. Yeah, this one is on the Independent.ie website. Canadian airline WestJet launches new nonstop Dublin to Calgary service. Uh oh. So <laughs> Dublin Airport is set to get another new route next summer with Canadian airline WestJet launching a service between the capital and Calgary. Uh, the city in Alberta played host to the Winter Olympics in 1988. WestJet is already uh, operating a seasonal service between St. John in Newfoundland and Dublin using the 737. But the new non-stop service between Calgary and Dublin will use a brand new Boeing 787 Dreamliner. Uh, well, fingers crossed if the engines are working. Oh, uh, It will depart <laughs> Dublin at 1.45pm and arrive in Calgary at 3.05pm local time. The return journey departs Calgary at 8.45 in the evening and arrives at Dublin at 11.38am local time. WestJet's new service also offers potential onward connections to 24 destinations, including Vancouver and Las Vegas. The service will commence on June the 1st next year and will coincide with a new route from the carrier to Paris from the Canadian city. An existing service to London Gatwick from Calgary will now operate using a Dreamliner. It currently uses a 767. 
The uh, 320 seat Dreamliners will be including 16 private pods with lie flat seats, 24 premium economy seats and economy seats as well. And the Dreamliners uh, will uh, be flying next year's routes among uh, 10 of the aircraft that WestJet has ordered as well. Uh, WestJet's chief executive Ed Sims said the decision to operate the routes from Calgary using the Dreamliners has a huge vote of confidence in the local economy and the airport. Alberta's connectivity with the rest of the world is vital to our economy, said Mr. Sims. And uh, the story goes on. It does say here that, uh, that he expects that new routes to bring up to 150,000 new visitors a year to Calgary. So there we go. So WestJet moving in leaps and bounds. I think they've bought some new aircraft, actually, WestJet. Do you know much about uh, the airline, uh, Jody? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm familiar. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, based uh, based in Canada, they are. So uh, you've obviously seen them at the airports here and there, flying around. Is that mostly short-haul stuff that WestJet do? Do you know, Jody? Uh, well, it's a lot of um, Canada and the U.S. flying, but there is some international, so that's going to expand it quite a bit, um, which will make it a bigger competitor to Air Canada, which is our other major airline. So maybe we'll have two airlines in Canada other countries have heard of. Yeah, I do have one positive experience with WestJet, just flying uh, Miss Megan out to Paris. Uh, terrible flight delays, it was uh, weather. Um, so she was on WestJet from Boston, ba Boston, Bo Boston, Boston, to uh, I think Halifax, and then Halifax to Charles de Gaulle, and she was getting the notifications on her phone from from WestJet saying, "Hey, your flight is delayed." By the time she got to Boston from Charlotte on Delta, uh, WestJet had already taken care of everybody on the flight. They knew they weren't going to make the because I can't imagine that they're making that many connections out of Halifax. Um, so they knew everybody on the flight was not going to make their connections. So they had already rebooked them on other airlines. It was a complete non-issue. As soon as she landed in Boston, they just said, "Here's your ticket on Delta. Um, really? You're on. You're That's on. You're on the next flight to Charles de Gaulle." And it was a direct flight instead of going through Halifax. Really? So. so it was almost an improvement then to to what she was. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, um, so thumbs up to WestJet at least in the last fourteen days. Wow, okay, right, well, there we are. This, uh, as you heard it here first, ladies that's, and gentlemen. Positive feedback. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so moving on to the next story then, and uh, who wants to take this? Uh, which one is this? The si on independent Saudi Arabian. Saudi Arabian. Oh, yeah. is it? Okay, all right then. Sorry, Actually, yeah, was... Matt, this this one is good. Is it? So this is on the independent, yes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> this is... What's the uh, headline, Matt? Um, I don't know. I'm currently being whinged at because apparently I've got a, an ad blocker on and they don't like uh, it. But anyway, there we go. So this is the Independent. And it says, Saudi Arabian Airlines denies passenger boarding for wearing shorts. Huh? Oh, dear. Uh, a man has been refused entry onto a Saudi Arabian Airlines flight for wearing shorts. Jordan Bishop, a Ford's contributor and founder of Corporate Flights, concierge Your Oyster, was due to fly from Jakarta to Istanbul via something I can't pronounce uh, with the airline on the 3rd of October. However, when he attempted to board the 4pm flight, he was pulled aside by a member of staff. According to Bishop, the gate agent gave him an awkward look and asked him to step out of the queue. A manager came 
over and told Bishop, Sir, I'm afraid we can't allow you to board. You cannot fly with Saudi Air with wearing shorts. Bishop was asked if he had any trousers he could change into. He didn't, and subsequently informed, If you don't have pants, I can't allow you to board. <laughs> uh, Saudi Air only has a vague description of its dress code on the website, which states Saudi Air is requesting from their guests to abide by a dress code whereby they are clothed in a manner that is in line with public taste or not offensive to other passengers. Now, it's the first time I've, I've heard of... I mean, I could understand it if I was wearing shorts, because uh, my legs are so white, I mean, that, you know, I look like an albino when I'm wearing shorts, to be fair, but it's just like... Uh, that seems like a bit of a... It seems a bit extreme. Anyway, Bishop came up with another way to beat the system when it became clear that I had no other option but to find a pair of pants on my own. I ran down the length of the terminal until I found a travel kiosk selling sarongs. Oh, wow. Uh, I brought the first one I saw, raced back to the gate and tied it around my waist like a full-length skirt. Gate agents exchanged glances but gave him the go-ahead and let him board the flight. Saudi... Saudi is the national carrier of Saudi Arabia, a country which follows a conservative interpretation of Sunni Islam. Uh, in tw in uh, August 2017, the airline hit headlines for issuing a strict dress code for passengers stating that it would refuse to fly women exposing legs or arms or wearing too thin or too tight clothes and men wearing shorts exposing legs. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, well, I mean, okay, I mean, I won't read any more of it. We, we get the gist of the story, but I, I think... Uh, Perhaps um, if 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 what the the gentleman is saying is they're they're a bit vague in regard to their dress code, perhaps they need to make it more obvious that shorts aren't. Except you know, I mean, it's, it says later on in the article that it hit headlines earlier last year uh, because of you know the strict strict dress clothing. Yeah. You know, I mean, they they have their their rules, and obviously, I mean, it's the same. It's like the same when you go to an Islamic country, you have to abide by their rules. I mean, oh, that's yeah. the bit. That's the big. No, but that's the thing. You're, you're I know, visiting, I always do. You're, you're visiting their country. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame the same courtesy isn't isn't extended to us. But anyway, when they come to the UK, but we'll gloss over that and move on. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'd love to hear Jody's take on this too. But uh, you know, there there's the extremes. But there's one of the reasons that I got into flying. I remember flying as a kid on Eastern Airlines on NL ten eleven, and everybody wore their Sunday best. You know, yeah, it's it absolutely. was a collared shirt, and it was it was that allure that that maybe is captured in that and you know catch me if you can and yeah, that Leonardo yeah, DiCaprio yeah, yeah, movie. Yeah. So it's you know there's a there's a certain allure that to flying where it was yeah. not just pajamas and and flip-flops. I don't know Jody what your what's your take on it? <laughs> <laughs> or do you not care? <laughs> I agree but I think it's changed a lot lately. Um I spend a lot of time in airports now so you can see people running around in their sweatpants and uh, just trying to be comfortable, especially for long flights. But yeah, if you're getting yourself into a position, <clears throat> excuse me, where you're gonna be in trouble or be disrespectful to the country, or you're just not abiding by the dress code, sure. Um, but they should make that fairly obvious before the person shows up, so this isn't a surprise. Uh, I've only ever heard of that happening when people buy business class. Um, so yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, we we have an update from NevTech Studio, by the way. How's Nev? Uh, okay. the, the power is back on. He'll be with us shortly, everyone. Great news. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be joining us shortly. Uh, in this in this middle update, I just want to notice something real quick. Jody, what's the logo on your shirt? And we did not oh. and we did not plan this. <laughs> oh, we match today. We, oh, we absolutely no do way. match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
There you go. I just noticed that as you were talking. I was like, hey, oh, I promise you, we did not dude. plan this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Go. Service needs to change now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll, 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 go, I'll change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> we're live. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, that's I don't think there'll be too many objections if you want to, you know, just... You're newly engaged, honestly. Yeah. 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 Blimey. <laughs> anyway, Auntie, Liz, Auntie Liz would have a fit. Anyway. <laughs> she would, absolutely. Yeah. She, she, you know, she'll, need, she'll need to lie down if you do that, Armando. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, heck, I might, to be fair. Extra right. baggage <laughs> allowance on this UA. Oh, that's the next story, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you do that. You do the next yeah, story, then. Go on, then. No, <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Why was... Uh, let's see. Uh, from Kalish. Kalish Times. Uh, the aviation section. Uh, the extra baggage allowance on this UAE airline. This valid is only off uh, good until October 31st, yeah. 2018. So you've got about two weeks. Uh, let's see, flying back home can be exhilarating as well as daunting. The happiness of seeing loved ones for a bout of homesickness is generally followed by showering affection through gifts, and that in turn mean means baggage weight exceeding the set allowance of 30 kilograms. Dubai's flag carrier Emirates announced a special offer enabling flyers to carry a bit more extra for loved ones. Uh, Emirates announced on its website an additional baggage allowance for the economy class to select destinations. This means the offer, in addition to existing free baggage allowance of 30 kilograms, is valid for sale until October 31st uh, for outbound travel until December 13th, 2018. Uh, it says, uh, check for details. Some of the destinations include Manila, uh, Manila Islamabad. Uh, I'm not going to read half of these. Cairo. I know Cairo and Casablanca, Nairobi. <laughs> uh, so, and there's a, a little chart here on their website. So if you're going to take advantage of that, maybe book with Emirates for an extra baggage allowance Ooh, very good. I like, I like for a limited time only uh ladies and gentlemen i have some exciting news Ooh, uh, uh let's let, show everybody say hello to uncle nev hello uncle nev hello sorry about that a uh, bit of technical uh, issue with local power here hello jody nice to meet you I have some bad news for you. I think you're using your computer microphone and not you your are, nice, micro nice microphone. Oh, you could be right <laughs> yeah. there. Yes, I'll have, to anyway, do of, uh, I'll have to restart the Chrome, but I'll, okay. I'll do that in a second. All right, then. Okay, we'll move on to the next... Um, we'll move on Actually, to I was just going to say, on, yeah. on, on, the, on the point of that last story with Emirates, their, their baggage allowance is all, already very generous. Mm. Uh, and... Do you know the thirty kilos that you're allowed with, to have in the hold with Emirates in your in your case? I struggle even with our large hard shell suitcase to to get thirty kilos of weight in, inside that. Even carrying all the dates and stuff that I bring back from <laughs> Dubai, um, but uh, yeah, you, you, it's a struggle to fit that. And, I, and I'd feel a bit sorry for the poor airport workers if they're having to lift, you know, thirty five, what forty five kilos. Uh, suitcases, especially the the flimsy fabric suitcases, because they're pretty. Yeah, it was that sort of weight. It was always a challenge. We, you're really not reading the those tags that they put on the the priority tags and the heavy tags and the live organs tags. You don't really read them. Um, you just throw bags as fast as you can onto the. Oh, we've seen videos of that, haven't we, man? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, the bag throwing. <clears throat> uh, yes, yes, a, a story last week. I think about that. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So while we wait for Nev, I'll we'll move on to the next story, and uh, this one is on the. Hold on, the. Here we go. 
Oh, I've got I've got the same problem as you, Matt. The ad blocker. Oh dear. Yeah, the good old ad blocker. Here we go. We'll, we'll refresh the page and we'll bring that back. That's yeah, typical, isn't it, Matt? Honestly. I know. <laughs> it's all going really smoothly. Uh, Do you want me to take it? Joe, yeah, you take it. Yeah. Okay. I actually really like this story. Go it's uh, from the Seattle Times. Uh, a taste of Seattle and Boeing in Japan as first, the first ever Dreamliner goes on display. Um, let's see. There's the first. 787 Dreamliner, but wait, there's more. Pike Brewing, Friends Chocolates, Beecher's Handmade Cheese, Ethan Stoll Restaurants, and a Boeing store. It's a Boeing, Boeing, <laughs> Boeing store. Uh, it is a, a thea- Seattle-themed complex uh, about 200 miles outside of Tokyo. And uh, the article goes on to talk about, uh, basically, in Tokyo, there is a, a link between Tokyo and Seattle in that the wings for the 787 are produced there by Mitsubishi heavy industries so they've got this uh, complex right by the airport and they've turned part of it into a seattle themed thing so you can actually go there and experience basically all the things that are uh wow. seattle which i think is great because i love seattle it's a great city <laughs> um so if you get a chance to go to seattle without having to make a you know 14 hour trip across the uh, ocean yes yes that's that's half the battle yes <laughs> yeah right and uh so they they talk a little bit later in the article about how um the first three 787 Dreamliners ever built are in different places. I think one's in Pima at the Air Museum in in Tucson. The other one is in the Museum of Flight in Seattle. And uh, the very, very first one went to this uh, location in Japan. uh, And they made it the centerpiece of the, I don't know if you call it a theme park, but it's a themed building? Themed hangar? Something like that? Yeah. So I think it's pretty cool that... uh, that there's an aviation-centered uh, attraction there in Nagoya, and having the first Dreamliner there was pretty. Good. I think it was zero zero one. That was yeah, it's a ZA zero zero one. Zero one, yeah, the first ever one. And uh, obviously, museums have all these amazing old aircraft in from from year, you know years and years ago. I suppose from the wars and stuff like that. But to have a, a you know, a commercial a, a airliner, dreamliner. a dreamliner on a stick, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a stick. Yeah, I'm sure Nick is going to uh, send some sort of feedback regarding this this story, but uh, we'll we'll look forward to that anyway. Well, he can until until we revisit how many A380s are going to the boneyard. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very true, and A340s as well. Anyway, moving on to uh, the next story. This one is on the Financial Times uh, website. And uh, this is another. This is all about the engine issues. Obviously, we all know that uh, Rolls Royce are having a bit of a mare with their engines on the Dreamliners, and uh, one of the biggest uh, uh, airlines here in Europe, TUI, or TUI, uh, the boss of TUI is criticising the engine manufacturer. So the senior executive at Travel Group TUI has hit out at engine manufacturers for contributing to the worst European flight delays on record this summer. David Burling, who is chief executive of TUI's 150-strong airline, said that there had been a few spare aircraft to lease this summer because of problems with engines, including Rolls-Royce for the Boeing Dreamliners, which meant deliveries of new airplanes were delayed. This forced airlines waiting for aircraft to, to lease other aircraft and left TUI and rivals unable to hire all those they needed to maintain their flight schedules through the uh, severe period of air traffic control delays. Uh, this summer wasn't easy, said Mr. Burling. A lot of spare aircraft were being used to cover engine issues, and there are a lot of issues, but certainly this was a big challenge. 
According to Eurocontrol, which coordinates national air traffic control agencies, there have been 16.9 million minutes of in-route delays in this year so far, compared with 9.3 million minutes in, all, in the whole of 2017. In July, Europe's airline passengers experienced more than 135,000 minutes of in-flight delays on average each day. This, uh, that is 94 days worth of delays every day, more than double the year before. TUI has 17 787 Dreamliners in their fleet, although its planes have GE engines, not Rolls-Royce Trouble Trent and 1000 engines, so we're not directly affected by the problems. Rolls-Royce has said that the problems will cost yeah, the company at least £1 billion pounds between 2018 and 2020. The company is in the process of redesigning its Trent 1000 engines. Uh, Rolls-Royce uh, said it was continuing its intense focus on resolving Trent 1000 issues and our customer face it sincerely regrets the disruption caused by the need for additional checks and maintenance on the engine. I take it, uh, Jody, you must have obviously heard about uh, the, the issues that the Dreamliners have been having with the Rolls-Royce engines. Um, I'm kind of living under a rock during training right <laughs> <laughs> now. If, it's, if it's not in the textbook, then no. No. <laughs> Is it an emergency procedure specifically related <laughs> no. to what's happening? Yeah, basically, Jody, if you go to if you go to London Heathrow Airport now and, and look round the British Airways and the Virgin Atlantic uh, maintenance hangars, you'll see many Dreamliners uh, with no engines. And that's exactly what it looks like. Yeah, we did have some pictures actually yeah, earlier yeah, on in the year from that. But um, so moving on to the next story, and hold on, I've got. I don't this know. Back should up. we get? Should we get Nev to do one? Seeing as Nev, are you yeah. back? <laughs> yeah, Can you hear me on my uh, my posh mic? You sound Yay! lovely now. Yes, Nev one again, sir. I'm very excited. Nev, <laughs> we've got a tech story for you next. Then, on, oh, what story uh, is that, uh, Carlos? Uh, this one is on the Inc.com. Inc.com. This is Delta's. Uh, or free Wi-Fi. It is, and uh, if there's one thing we can all agree on, it's that airplane Wi-Fi generally sucks. <laughs> it's way overpriced, and it craps out half the time. You can get fast, <laughs> free Wi-Fi almost everywhere now, from Starbucks to McDonald's. So why not in, on airplanes? Well, Delta Airlines CEO Ed Bastian is right there with you. He says it's time to put an end the charging for in-flight Wi-Fi. We're going to make it free, he says, at the Skift Global Forum late last month. Bastion didn't roll out an exact timeline, but he says that Delta is testing a new wireless system in its Airbus A220 planes. The first just took a maiden voyage a couple of days ago, and Delta is expected to officially add several A220s to its fleet uh, by early 2019. He promises that this isn't the sucky, unreliable in-flight <laughs> Wi-Fi we've come to expect okay. from every and, airline. And that's a technical term, is it? It is, yeah. yes. <laughs> from the top. It, it's an entirely new wireless in-flight entertainment system that's supposed to be faster and more reliable. Bastion says that this means that Delta will no longer have to hardwire planes with internet, 
vastly reducing installation costs. Bastion claims that the new wireless network will be two-thirds cheaper to install than the traditional systems, which he estimates cost Delta $1 million per plane. I quite believe In-flight uh, Wi-Fi is often so pricey because a third party provides the service, not the airlines themselves. Those companies charge the airlines steep installation and operating costs, which the airlines then pass on to passengers. Delta currently partners with GoGo InFlight for onboard wireless. A pre-purchase day pass runs at $16, a monthly pass is $49, and an annual pass is $599. Right now, the only other U.S. carrier to offer free Wi-Fi is JetBlue. And with another major carrier offering this perk, perhaps other airlines will follow suit to remain competitive. But don't get too excited just yet. Bastion didn't actually say when this broad sweeping change was going to happen. Uh, the airline aficionados at the points guy say that this isn't the first time Delta CEO has made such a bold claim. One has to wonder if it's truly feasible in the near term. TPG writes. Uh, I've only got one thing to say about that. Uh, bandwidth. Yes, indeed. I should I should just... <laughs> actually, Owen's just sent me a message because he's watching it for, on, on his TV in a hotel room uh, at the moment. And he's just sent me a message that said uh, it's quite shouty. So I, I, the, the message is in capital letters, all right? So just bear that in mind as I read this out. It's a metal tube being hurtled through the air close to the speed of sound at 37,000 feet. What are people expecting? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm I see his point. Yeah, I, I, you see his point, do you? I, I see, see his point. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, um, honestly, Jody, you obviously you you fly obviously you know you fly aerobatic aircraft and GA aircraft, and you see the world like Armando and myself. You see it from a completely different aspect for for people on the ground as such. It's amazing when you're flying. You know, when you're on an aircraft flying from point A to point B, you know, do you want to be watching stuff on your tablet or on a screen, or would you rather be looking out the window? Well, the Wi-Fi in my pits is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's the pits. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I do enjoy either sleeping on planes because I'm usually in transit or I'm uh, watching the free TV if it's available because that's the only time I really have to do that. So as far as that stuff goes, it's, it's always been fine. And I've been using the free chat on Delta. That's nice, but it's not my primary expectation when I got on an airplane. Actually, Lane Street in the chat room says that uh, he's expecting to be able to stream Breaking Bad in flight. Oh, as, as you <laughs> I, do. Yeah. I do have a technical question, I, and maybe Jody or Nev can answer this. So I know a lot of the airlines are going to, uh, instead of having the, the monitors and the seatbacks, they say, hey, it's free streaming to your device, whether it's an iPad or whatever. And is that is that coming through the internet, the satellite internet connection, or is that coming from somewhere internal to the aircraft? That, that'll, be a, that'll be a Nev question, I think. Yeah, because yeah, there's usually the satellite uh, it is connection for that. But imagine, you know, just on an A220, so that's about a 156-seater. Um, people have got at least one device, probably two each, mm. um, per aircraft. And you can, you know, use up bucket loads of bandwidth so quickly. And because we're all used to at least 4G connectivity in most places now, just on our phone wandering around, anything less than that is going to be a pretty ropey experience. And I have yet to experience a, a reasonable internet on uh, any 
flight, I've got to say. So I think I still think it's some way off, if I'm honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Yeah. So the next story, uh, we're going to uh, let our guest Jody take this story, associate which she can give us her, her own take Ooh. on this particular story. This this one broke, well, this broke actually this morning, <laughs> literally broke, <laughs> uh, literally broke literally. this morning, uh, on the bbcnews.co.uk website. So uh, go on, Jody. Uh, this one broke a couple things. Uh, Air India plane <laughs> hits wall on takeoff. Passenger plane traveling from the South Indian city of Trekkie to Dubai sustained damage after hitting an airport wall during takeoff. Air India 611 was carrying 130 passengers, six crew members, was diverted to Mumbai where it landed safely. Air India said the two pilots, who have more than 6,500 hours of flying experience between them, have been grounded pending investigation. Air India is India's national carrier. The airline said in a statement that the Boeing 737 aircraft took off from Trike Airport in southern India early on Friday when airport officials observed that the aircraft may, might have come in contact with the airport perimeter wall. <laughs> might. might. Air- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you don't notice that. Yeah, absolutely. The aircraft has sustained some damage. The matter was conveyed to the pilot in command. The pilot in command reported that the aircraft systems were operating normally. The airplane was then diverted to the western city of Mumbai. The accident has been reported to the aviation regulator. Air India says it's cooperating with the investigation. And it comes. It's jolly decent <laughs> of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Weeks after more than 30 passengers aboard Indian carrier Jet Airways had to receive treatment after pilots forgot to turn on a switch regulating cabin pressure. Yeah, I think that, that was... To describe their profits, but <laughs> I don't know. If <laughs> so come on in, Jody. What, what, what do you think possibly could have gone wrong here? Well, it doesn't sound like they were taxiing where they should have been. Obviously, there's not too many runways I've seen with walls on them. So <laughs> there's there's probably some portion of this that is due to pilot error, but you'll have to wait for the investigation to be Yeah, sure. so I'm looking at the, the picture, and so that's not a very tall wall. That's maybe a six-foot wall, yeah. and, I, and I can't really tell, but that may be the antenna array that's for... The... Uh, that was at the R- it's either the ILS or ILS, I think, yeah. Yeah, or it, it looks like there is, an, that could be a building, but it looks like there's an antenna array, so... That that aircraft must have been really low. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's. Uh, I mean, I mean to be. Uh, what was it? I, I, I what did uh, Pip um, uh, Pip put something in the uh, in the in our little oh. group chat, didn't he? And he said he literally said, "How did they not take the engines off?" Actually, that was yeah, right? the yeah. localizer antenna. Yeah. See, I yeah, I, I thought it looked familiar, yeah. and and so Jody chime in, but. Uh, the end of the localizer antenna must. This is in section four of your of your textbook, right? <laughs> it, it is, is what twelve? Look, she, no, she's here to socialize. Right? She's not on a test. <laughs> this is a study <laughs> question. <laughs> carry, carry on. It's, it's got to be a quarter mile from the end of the runway. The end of the localizer right, antenna. Yeah. So it's I very mean, lost. This oh, airplane was not where it was supposed to be by yeah. any means. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I yeah. mean, you'd have to be pretty far gone into your unstable criteria and not an issue go around to find an antenna with the fuselage of the plane yeah that's terrible actually on the aviation herald website simon's awesome website that most people know about here is uh, it says on here that the airport police reported the compound wall 
at the localizer antenna was five feet tall or one and a half meters high. Wow. Yeah. That's so yeah, he was he was well off. Course. He was he was yeah slightly um, <laughs> slightly off I think. It does say here that they um they do say there's no there's a no tam now at the airport <laughs> that suggests right, okay. it, this is what this is what makes me laugh. The Timely no, conversation. The no tam <laughs> the no tam suggests that the localizer antenna will not be back in operation before January <laughs> next year. Right, okay. Yeah. That's yes. going to be a conversation with the chief pilot and uh, a no non. <laughs> no no non. Oh, no. <laughs> of course, as, as we were just listening this week on other podcasts, it, it is in page 27 of the NOTAMs, and on page 29 it says there's yeah. an obstacle, which is a six-foot wall. Yeah. Five, right. foot, yeah. five, five foot wall, wall. five foot wall, uh, a mile from the runway. Right. Okay. Good. Good. I'm so pleased we hit. Yes. Splendid. Well done, everyone. Uh, <laughs> anyway, moving, moving on, and uh, actually, Nev, do you want to take the last one because uh, you've you've been in you've a been way, missing. yeah, you've been missing. Yeah. Take it's a, it's a nice story to finish on. It it is, <laughs> and it's uh, one of my favourite aircraft. Sadly, it's not flying anymore, but. Uh, um, why did the, why did the ad blockers decide to come up? Just I know, at the we're moment. having problems like that today <laughs> as well. I just, Inappropriate. Who, who chooses these stories? Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Nev. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> well, this is on the uh, Manchester Evening News and it says that uh, kids will be able to climb aboard the iconic Concorde at a special event at Manchester Airport this October half term and the runway visitor park is hosting short tours of the plane as part of its midweek madness event families can pick a slot between 11:30 and 2 p.m. to experience uh, sitting in the luxurious leather seats where royalty and celebrities once sat uh, whilst hearing about what it was like to fly on the aircraft visitors will also walk beneath Concorde's wings as they take in the wonder that is Alpha Charlie the name given to the supersonic airliner the 20-minute tours are taking place on Wednesday, October the 24th and can be booked online. They cost £5 each. And also during half-term, the park is running its Children's Flight Academy, where little ones can try out their hand at being a pilot. Kids can get on board a real aircraft and learn about the different roles on board a plane. Uh, there are separate 90-minute sessions running on October the 28th at 10.30am for children aged 4 to 7 and at 12.30pm for those aged 8 to 12. Tickets for these cost £7 uh, pounds each and can be booked online. Around an hour of the tour is held in the cabin of a Monarch DC-10 aircraft. All the remaining time is spent outside at the runway visitor park where you'll use the viewing mounds to observe the aircraft taking off and landing and other movements on the airfield. There's also a play area, a gift shop and uh, parking costs £2 a day for the midweek madness events. And I've got to say uh, Manchester Airport is one of the nicest spotting areas. Mm, yeah, and, definitely. Uh, the um, Concorde they've got there, they do uh, some technical tours of it. I've done that twice now, uh, a few years ago, and it is absolutely excellent. So I really recommend it to anybody who's yeah. uh, either in the area or just fancy a trip up there. They they do a fantastic job at Manchester, don't they? The uh, the, the viewing area is quite famous, isn't it? Actually, because they they've got they still have like a viewing deck on the top, don't there's they? A, there's a there's a mound. Yeah. There, there's a big huge mound there. No, isn't and, there something? Um, in, there used to be something in the airport itself where you, there was like a viewing gallery upstairs. I don't know about. I mean, I mean a, that was um, a while ago. Uh, uh, Adrian Meacham uh, took me to here to see this uh, Concorde uh, when I visited him a few years ago, and uh, there is there's a really large viewing area right mm. on the run, literally on the taxiway really? overlooking the runway. 
and they've made it so there's a large kind of elevated mound mm. with seating so you can actually stand there uh, with your camera and watch the aircraft not only taxi pass but also take off in front of you as oh, well okay, cool. and literally the backdrop behind you is Concorde in the hangar wow. which is, okay. is really cool yeah so it's I well worth a visit I feel like I should know this but is Manchester one of those airports where everybody gets the really cool videos of the crosswind landings or yeah. is that Birmingham? it is yeah, uh, yeah Manchester and Birmingham and yeah. uh, Leeds Bradford another good one as well but Leeds Bradford's the highest uh, airport elevation in the UK but uh, Manchester is uh, very well known for crosswinds because it's in the northwest of England yes so, I yeah, put that on my list actually a, <laughs> cer a certain uh, Mr Bound sent me a message this afternoon to tune into a certain channel Nev what was that oh, yes that was Big Jet TV and they were live from Heathrow this afternoon and there was some cracking crosswinds oh, yeah. uh, coming into 2-7 left and uh, they were crabbing it in something unbelievable <laughs> weren't they and, <laughs> were. uh, but there was I didn't see any go arounds at all they no. did, all of them did a great job actually didn't they because uh, uh, of the wind you mean yeah, yeah i think okay, i think yeah, nearly yeah. every uh every especially the large heavies every uh, aircraft that came in nev came in left hand landing gear first yes it did. Yeah, yeah it was quite interesting watching that that was good yeah, but it's uh, addictive viewing, isn't it? I thought, yeah. I'll, I'll just tune in for five minutes, <laughs> yeah. an hour and a half no. later, I'm still watching it. <laughs> oh, so that is where we are going to bring the commercial news segment to a close. And uh, we're going to hand things over to Nev to introduce uh, what's coming up in the interviews next. Well, we've got a couple of excellent interviews uh, next. We've got um, the uh, interview that, uh, in fact, actually, Captain Al is... Pretty, a pretty good interviewer, actually. You give him some, <laughs> some, some gear, Steady, give him some, I... a microphone and a recorder, and he, he does a great job. And uh, he did an interview with uh, dispatcher Mike at uh, Oshkosh 2018 this year, which was uh, superb. But just before that, we're going to play the last interview from Farnborough, and this features uh, Captain Nick and Dr. Steph. I was out for about eight hours. So we're here with the lovely... Dr. Steph. I thought you were going to say Captain Nick. <laughs> <laughs> and the gorgeous Captain Nick. Hey. Uh, how are you guys? Very well. Yeah, yeah. enjoying your, uh, your uh, time here in the UK. As always. Excellent. And so, I'm hungry. And you're hungry? Yeah, yeah I haven't had thirsty. breakfast yet and I've already walked three dogs and uh, driven all the way up here and, and I'm hungry and thirsty and all I'm doing is standing here in the dust and talking to people. And, and Steph. You had an epic flight here yesterday. I did, uh, yes. And I a long it. day. A long day. I'm guessing you slept incredibly well last incredibly night. Incredibly well. It was so <laughs> as soon as my head hit the pillow, I was out for about eight hours. It's great. I'm feeling very refreshed and ready to enjoy the, uh, the air show today. So. And uh, how are things at Casadel Anderson? Uh, they're tolerable. No, just <laughs> no, Julie has been wonderful, gracious host as always, oh, making she's sure good. we're well fed and well looked after and. As well. All I've done is show her where the beer was. But that's and that's an important job. Exactly Don't, right. We can't, can't uh, that But job. now she knows it's a bit of a problem. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. it's only a problem for the amount that he's going to have remaining at the end of the weekend. That's true. I should but probably I must have, restock the. It's the not often you see someone drinking beer for breakfast, is it? Oh. I, I wouldn't know anyone who would do that. <laughs> actually, I was actually going to say, Steph, one of the big questions I think everyone will want to know is, have you had a run since you've been here? I have not. <gasps> I know. I mean, I invited to let her run with the three dogs this morning. but no. Well, I just found this out about 20 minutes ago that I was invited for the run with the dogs. 
Oh. And the, the walk with the dogs happened about three hours ago. <laughs> you were you was still asleep. I was still asleep. <laughs> no one woke me up. Uh, it's a quick passenger experience uh, bit yeah. then, as we are, have got Nev behind the camera here. Uh, you flew over with? American Airlines. American. And you were in business class, weren't you? I was. They were kind enough to finally uh, uh, honor my upgrade request, which still cost, it wasn't just a free upgrade request, it still cost me about the remaining amount of points I had in my account <laughs> with them. Um, but it was worth it because, you know, it was, I did have a little bit of a stressful time getting to the airport two days ago. Um, so it was nice to have a hot meal and be able to sleep on the flight. Uh, comfortable enough, it was an A330. It was, you know, comfortable yeah. enough? Comfortable enough. Well, it seems to me like it would be very comfortable. <laughs> comfortable enough. I mean, I slept. <laughs> not, not quite like uh, Qatar 380, though. Not, well, not quite like, uh, I've not flown on one of theirs, I flew on an Etihad. Oh, is Etihad, yeah, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was very nice. But no, I mean, you know, I hear standard. they're a bit of a shower. They are a bit of a shower. <laughs> you can take one too if you'd like. Oh, good, yeah. excellent. But is it right you're slumming it on the way home? I am. I, like I said, I ran out of points. I don't have any more points available for upgrade requests. Um, but no, it'll be fine. It's a daytime flight and I've got a window seat. And currently, last time I checked, there's no one in the seat next to me. So it might be a oh, whole... Good. Nice little row of two to myself there on the yeah. side. So. Or you might have a screaming child there. Well, they'll probably be behind me kicking the seats. That's usually <laughs> how it goes. But no, all in all, it was a very nice flight over. I've, I've, you know, American Airlines did a great job as usual, and I've, no complaints. Excellent. So we're back at Farnborough again. Two years ago, we were all here. Can you believe it was two years ago? Oh, I know. I know. And it's a, the weather's great again. I know. See, yeah. we, we bring the nice weather with us. But, but we have had we have had Nick we have had our fair share of good weather though haven't we for Jilly the last is, few months? J Jilly is finding it distressing because all her lovely plants in the garden are dying fast so she's out there trying to work out how to keep them all alive before the hosepipe ban hits but uh, yeah it's uh, it's been hot and lovely so great for a visitor but for those of us who live here and uh, yeah I need to think about getting some air conditioning I tell you I don't know, I brought a raincoat. I'm always prepared in the UK. Because <laughs> it seems like most times I come, it actually does rain. But not, not, not this not time. Not this time. Nope. So any particular aircraft you're looking forward to seeing then, Steph? Obviously, we've got the, uh, the A350-1000, the A380 just behind you here, the high fly. Uh, you know what? Actually, on the uh, list of things, I'd like to see the Harrier. I don't think I've ever seen one of those fly. Um, They're good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm trying to think what else was on the uh, list of uh, displays for today. Um, Probably that more than, than anything else, and um, I always like seeing the uh, the military displays. I'm not much of a military aircraft person, but those displays are always the most exciting, I think. There's a Cessna caravan um, just, just down there. On the ours, yeah. I just wonder whether you're going to be wanting to jump out of that at all later on? You know, if they're offering um, and someone's got a spare parachute, because I did not bring mine with me. Uh, <laughs> but you've been flying with Pip, haven't you? You've had a little uh, jolly with Pip. Yeah, Pip was kind enough to uh, invite me out to go for a little little sightseeing flight yesterday. So we were, uh, were a little bit of hooligans. We went and buzzed Nick's house a little bit. Yeah, I know. And I need make to... Sure, we just wanted to make sure that they I were awake. I need to put the, the roof tiles back on. I still <laughs> yeah, so haven't sorry, done sorry that. Sorry about that. We'll, we'll take care of that. Good point. job it's not raining today. <laughs> Uh, and then they actually, that? yep, they, and then they allowed us to kind of fly very near to the uh, airfield here, so we were able to see a lot of the aircraft still just parked. Apparently, there's an element of name dropping. Uh, no, we would never, uh, never. Friends in low places? Well, actually, tall, glazed tall places. Tall, yeah, friends in tall buildings. Yeah, yeah. friends in tall buildings, yeah. exactly. Quite helpful. Well, I sincerely hope you enjoy the rest of your time here at the show. Absolutely. 
you, you don't live that far away, Nick, so it's... No, no, we're about 30 minutes yeah. away, so... But, uh, no, Steph, I hope you enjoy the rest of your time here. Thank you, It's been yeah, great to see you. Great to see you guys as, as well. always. Like, and, and we've got the meet-up tonight as well, which, uh, which is going to be great. Absolutely, and hope, still hoping I can get up on the 18th. Yes, for the barbecue, for Absolutely. the PCK barbecue, yeah. 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 Enjoy it. Sadly, I will not be able to make it back oh. over for that, I know. Unless I win the lottery between now and then. No, I still won't be able to make it. I have other prior engagements. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. We'll let you off. All right. Right, well, that's it then. We'll, uh, we'll crack on. So here we are in Oshkosh then. It's uh, day two for me. I'm finally getting uh, in tune with my surroundings. And uh, guess who I've bumped into? Uh, I've bumped into Dispatcher Mike. So how's it going, Mike? I'm doing very well. And uh, technically speaking, Oshkosh is on that side of the road, about 200 meters that way. Uh, we are in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, because my aircraft parking spot is so far south, I've left the city. Yeah, to be fair, I have got my lenses in, my corrective lenses, and I think I can just about see Oshkosh. So, you're kind of like halfway there, nearly, not quite. So, do you get the sticker or do you not get the sticker for 2018 Oshkosh? I had a Cherokee cut me off on the Fisk arrival and was very close to me, so I'm going to say I still get the sticker. Okay, well, well that's great. So, uh, how is the show going for you so far? Because you've been here a little bit longer than I have. Yeah, I, get, I got in here Sunday afternoon, and it's, uh, it's so far the show has gone. It's been great, uh, amazing, seeing the people, uh, seeing the airplanes, um, c catching up with the people that you've never met before camping around you, and sitting up to midnight drinking bourbon, getting eaten by mosquitoes, and being okay with it because you're having such great uh, conversations with people. Uh, the stuff that's coming in and been through, uh, the Airbus A220 was here yesterday. And Thank you for calling it the right type. I, I understand now that it's completely a marketing thing, but it's still going to be a CL560 or whatever its official term is. So all of that. And then I, I've just had a joy going around interviewing people, um, getting different stories and listening to different media things and learning. Okay, well, that's great. Now, just to, to give the, the listeners a sort of a little bit of a, a mental picture, as it were, we're, we're stood in a very, very large field surrounded by aeroplanes and tents. Now, for listeners in the UK, this would be an alien concept because very few people would contemplate camping underneath an aeroplane just because of the complete uncertainty of the UK weather, although obviously this year being the exception to the rule. But how is it camping here? I mean, is it good fun? Is it uh, down and dirty? I mean, are there showers? Are there toilets? Yeah, no, it's, it's, very, it's, it's very good camping. Um, the showers are over there by that light pole over there, so that's, what, maybe another 200 meters away? Yeah, I can see a hose and a tap. Is that the shower block? No, no, they actually, they're really nice. They have a, over here, it's, a, it's a, basically a semi-tractor trailer that have showers built into them, and they're really well done in all of that. And even with the um, massive amount of people that are camping here, after about 10 o'clock at night, all you hear is crickets, all you hear is owls. Um, it's very quiet. The, everyone is very respectful. Uh, the grounds here are clean. If you drop something, you pick it up and you put it in the, in the trash or in, in the rubbish. Um, so everything is just, uh, it's, it's a really great experience uh, camping here at Oshkosh. And even still, this is new. They've added um, new. They've added airplane camping on th or parking on the taxiway side on the other side of the taxiway. I'm I'm right on the edge of the taxiway, and by taxiway, I mean a strip of grass they keep clean of aircraft. And I I've never seen airplanes parked all the way over there before. So 
um, it is definitely packed in here in, uh, in Oshkosh this year. Well, one of the things about a success story is that it continues to grow. And when you have something that continues to grow at the rate that Oshkosh is, and of course it's been going for a very long time, but each year it's bigger and bigger and bigger, and that has to be uh, the best example of something that's done well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this, uh, this air show started 66 years ago in a small airport called Timmerman Field in Milwaukee, Wisconsin that had 150 people show up to it that first year. And you've grown to, last year they had over 500,000 people here, over 20,000 different aircraft showed up. Um, this is completely the place to be and the, the mecca of general aviation here in the United States and worldwide, because there's plenty of uh, people from Europe and almost every continent is represented here. Absolutely. Well, I've met people from all over the world, and I've only been here for a very short space of time. So just be, before we return back to uh, whiskey and bourbon drinking, tell me a little bit about your aeroplane, Mike. So my airplane is a 1963 Beach Musketeer. Um, it's a four-seat aircraft. It has a Lycoming 120 engine with 160 horsepower, uh, fixed-pitch propeller, um, fixed landing gear. The... Uh, uh, it's a very solid airplane. It is, um, I say solid, it's, it's, a, it's very stable. Uh, it's very fun to fly once you get it trimmed out and there's very little movement in the aircraft. It can pretty much fly itself. Uh, it goes, uh, it burns, uh, burns about 10 gallons an hour and it, it cruises about 100 knots. And so, you know, with full tanks you could fly for up to five hours. The only limitation then would be your bladder or the uh, the room in the Gatorade bottle. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's it's a good airplane. It's it's really not meant for going super long cross country in it, but uh, I make it work out. Okay, so just finally, um, your journey up, uh, just in in sort of roughly in hours. How long did it take? Uh, it took uh, seven hours to get to. Uh, my uh, stopover with my parents and then it took another hour and 30 minutes to get into Oshkosh and then it took another 45 minutes to taxi from the runway to my parking spot. Thanks very much Mike. I really sincerely hope that you enjoy the rest of your visit here and have a safe journey back home. Thanks very much Alan. You guys have a safe journey back home too. We will. Thanks a lot. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head.com. The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pays us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Flyby 5823 Trent Dane for 23R Manchester Wizz Air 6X Climb Flight Level 210 
direct to Bretman's Park. United 123, maintain 280 knots. control for today Nat. Bedtime. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to fly a commercial passenger jet? Looked up at the sky and thought I wish that was me? Well now anyone has the chance to have a go at flying in a real aircraft simulator. NP Simulations and Flight Experience London, the only official Boeing licensed product of its kind in the UK, offer you the chance to fly anywhere in the world in their fixed base Boeing 737-800 flight simulator. And that's not all. Ground School London offers many different courses for the up-and-coming pilot looking for a start in aviation. With prices starting at just £109, the sky's the limit. So for the ultimate flight simulator experience or engaging preparatory courses, including those for schools and colleges, check Check out the websites at www.london.flightexperience.co.uk and www.groundschoollondon.com or call on 020 300 40 616. NP Simulations. Fly your dreams. It's safe to say that Captain Al can be serious. I know. I'm a bit. I'm, I'm a bit scared. I'm not going to lie. I am. I am very scared. <laughs> We've got uh, two or three more of those sorts of interviews to play from the chap as well. So, yeah, uh, uh, yeah they did a good job, there, didn't they? Brilliant. He certainly good. did. He certainly good. did. So uh, there is just one more little piece to play before we have a good chat with Jody, and uh, it was sent in to us earlier this morning by listener Ray Davis over in Australia, and there is a certain air show going on at the moment called Warbirds Down Under, and that's happening in Timor in Australia, and uh, Ray sent us in uh, a little video, and uh, Matt's going to play that for you right now. Yeah, listeners, Ray from Sydney, Australia here. Uh, it's currently... 7.44 on Friday morning and I have got exactly 360 kilometres to travel to get down to Warbirds Down Under uh, which is taking place this afternoon as well as all day tomorrow. So as it implies, we've got a lot of Warbirds Spitfire, Mustang, uh, some Australian warbirds uh, such as the Wirraway, the Boomerang, um, fast jets, we've got the CA-27 Sabre, as well as the Meteor, known as the Meatbox. Um, really looking forward to getting down there seeing some old classics and uh, if possible I'll try and keep you guys updated and uh, send it to you um, with some photos and, and stuff like that so this is your reporter for PT UK Australia signing off and saying have a good day bye I'll tell you what, that's dedication for you. Like uh, Armando was just saying, you know, whilst driving, our, uh, you know, dedicated listener yeah, Ray absolutely. is sending in uh, video. I should stress he was hands-free. He was hands-free. Yeah. So hands-free <laughs> off the wheel? 
Yeah. So a big thanks. Oh, hands to, free uh, off the phone. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. A yeah, big thanks to uh, to Ray <laughs> Davis for uh, sending that in. Uh, Ray also has sent us in a video as well, which we're going to play next week on the show. A uh, really good video, actually, of uh, the display of the wedge tail that we featured on last week's show. That's going to be on next week's show, so look out for that. So a big thanks to Ray, and hope you enjoy the show, and uh, yeah, keep the feedback coming in. Yeah, do, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, as you will all know, we have a very special guest joining us from Canada today. And uh, Jody, uh, we're going to welcome you again onto the show. Thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. So, Jody, come on, tell us a bit about uh, where the the whole aviation bug kind of thing started with you. Uh, for me, it's not really that exciting of a story. I was uh, 12 years old, had to do a project on what I wanted to be when I grew up. We were told we had to take this quiz, and it would come up with 200 jobs we'd like. And by the end, I narrowed it down to either a pyrotechnic or a pilot. <laughs> so... I like the pyrotechnics one, I do. Don't mind this silly aviation rubbish. Choice. That's, a, that's a terrible mix. <laughs> <laughs> well, not if you want to get into night air shows. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, they do true. do that. Yeah. Oshkosh, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, uh, I went pretty hard at it. I joined Air Cadets when I was 14 and got my license through them on a scholarship and uh, from there went on to Sioux College. My family is not really a flying family, so they uh, don't really understand what's going on. So if I wanted to do it, I was going to do it on my own. So it was all uh, scholarships or government subsidies is uh, the way that I had to go about it. But I've had a blast, so. <laughs> it's... Oh. No. Oh, oh, I thought that gone dead. Yeah, sorry. No, no, it's all good. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> so where? where so where, um, yeah. So where did the the transition? That's kind of how end? I do it. I was gonna say, when did the transition go from from kind of uh, the the GA flying to to the kind of commercial side? Um, when I started out in my aviation career, I knew I wanted to be a pilot professionally. I wanted to be a flight instructor. I had a lot of fun doing that for a few years and I flew a lot of really interesting types of plane because I started to fly aerobatics and tail dragger. And um, I got picked up by a couple of different companies who wanted to create aerobatic programs. And through mainly financial reasons for those organizations, it never came to fruition. The planes never showed up. And I realized if I wanted to do this, I've got to buy my own plane. So I should probably fly a big enough airplane to afford a couple little airplanes. Yeah. So did you end up buying a uh, an airplane? Um, I share an airplane <laughs> right now, and uh, so I've I've got the pits going on. We're in the process of. Uh, thinking about rebuilding it and and uh, building another one that matches it. So my partner is actually my boyfriend, and he's building his own pits. So we're trying to make something that matches so they can uh, do formation and look cool. Yeah. So I, you know these guys know that I, I started uh, formation or not formation plane uh, aerobatics plane like basic like very beginnings of aerobatics <laughs> and as a 20 something year aviator i have a whole new appreciation for flying and and the the way the human body is really put to the test uh doing aerobatics 
So what, I mean, what did you think, especially when you started to where you are now? Um, getting into aerobatics, that was always very exciting to me. Um, I actually almost dropped out of aviation altogether because the program that I was in was um, very intense and, and it stopped being fun after a little while. Yeah. And I was looking at my career in air traffic control uh, when I did my first spin in a Slin 242. <laughs> and up until that moment in time, the only thing I'd ever flown was a 152. <laughs> so I was expecting this really docile recovery, and I didn't get it. <laughs> so, excuse me, I'm losing my voice from yelling in the sim all week. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, after that, I, um, I had to make a pretty aggressive recovery. So I ended up pulling five Gs on the recovery. Um, that woke my instructor up. It's like, yeah, I can imagine <laughs> and, uh, yes. I could not stop smiling. So after that, I knew I, I had to stick with it and and uh, do more of that because that was the part of flying that I really like. But it's a whole different world once you start to look at aerodynamics when you're upside down uh, versus upright. You know, your low-wing airplane becomes a high-wing airplane. And um, the skill set that you develop and the way that you think about flying changes completely. Yeah, absolutely. And all those skills are transferable to your commercial job, right? Yeah. And as it turns out, some of your airline skills are not transferable to a pit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely feel like I have to get current again once I, I take a big break like this. If you go from flying a Q400 to a pits and you try and keep power on in a landing, you're going to have a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, there's that... definitely a, a lot of different types of flying and, and there is even different types of aerobatic flying. So you, you really have to wrap your head around the mission that you're into at, at that moment. So uh, Tony in the chat room was asking, what, it, what is the most challenging part of flying the pits? Uh, a lot of people say landing it. <laughs> it's a critical portion of flying it. Certainly, it, it's not without challenges. It, it does have a very big rudder. Mine, in particular, has uh, extra big rudder. So it's not that it's a squirrely airplane, but it, it will do exactly what you tell it to do, but it's going to do it right now and with a lot of authority. So it'll keep you on your toes, and um, you're landing fairly blind. Um, you've got a, a big nose in front of you and you're sitting in the back of this tail dragger and where we keep ours is actually um, at a hangar apartment. So we've got a 35 foot wide paved runway. Oh my gosh, that's like everybody's uh, dream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It is, uh, but it's not without challenges. It's about 1800 feet long and so there's not a lot of wiggle oh, yeah. room in there. Um, so when I first got checked out on the pits, my, my third flight, solo in it like on on my single seat was trying to bring it home <laughs> so i did a, a handful of go arounds and uh it took my time because you can always go around right <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. So, matt, matt was playing around. matt was playing one of the videos deeper than my pits yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah so matt was playing a video of i think it was a decathlon right where you yeah. find a decathlon how do how do you like the uh the difference between those two aircraft 
Uh, the decathlon is something that I used to train on. Uh, so I started, um, we have a separate rating for aerobatic instructing. And so I got my class two aerobatic instructor and started checking people out to be able to demonstrate to passengers uh, if they wanted to. And it's a perfect training platform. It really helps you manage the energy. The roll rate is significantly slower and the power to weight ratio is slower as well. Yeah. Or lower rather. So it's a really good training platform because it teaches you energy management, but it also has an inverted system. So you right. can, you can explore that a little bit more than you can with some of the more basic things. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that for, for training and competing at a lower level. I, I competed in sportsman for about three years in a decathlon before I moved up to the pits. But now that I've got, more performance, um, I can move up to intermediate or maybe advanced in it in the next couple of years. That's awesome. So, Jody, one of the one of the, the things we often talk about in the show and in the past is about the cost of flight training, obviously being quite expensive here in the UK. Um, I, you know, ha, you know, I know exactly the, the cost it, cause when I learned to fly. But um, the in the UK, just a sort of a rough idea as to what it converts to into Canadian dollars, for an hour's worth of training at the flight school where I learned to fly, it would have cost would cost around about two hundred and forty Canadian dollars. Is that expensive in regards to you? Or is it? Uh, what kind of plane would that be? That would be on a one fifty two. Okay, yes, that would be considered expensive. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're looking at close to two hundred and fifty dollars an hour for one fifty two as a wet rate. Um, and then people add different fuel surcharges onto that, depending on what province you're in and, and how hard they're getting hit with that. And typically they're charging about 60 or $65 for an instructor. Um, and that is definitely one of the challenges when you want to get into aerobatic flying. There's very few airplanes that have that performance um, that don't have a high operating cost. And that's part of the reason that a lot of people start on something like a Citabria or 152 Aerobat out here and then move up as their skill set uh, can keep up with the airframe and cost when they want to. Okay. Uh, Nev, um, you've got some uh, questions from the chat room for our... Yeah, far away. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I have. And uh, so a couple of questions. First one's from Lane. I'm just going to blend these two together. Lane says, uh, which model of pits do you fly? And Tony says, uh, do you attend air shows in North America? And if so, what's your favorite one? Uh, so the pits that I fly is um, an S1S. It's a home built. So it's a little bit of a Frankenplane. There's a little, every pits has a little bit of personality. And especially when they're home built, somebody feels like they've figured out how to modify it a little bit better. Um, so there's a lot of differences in the fuselages and rudders and things like that. The big modifications on mine are the mainly the rudder, and it's a fixed pitch, uh, no constant speed prop. We're really looking to save weight and uh, get the most performance out of the smallest airplane and the lowest operating cost when we look at this particular airplane. And it's been pushed to the point where it, it can compete into the higher categories because of those modifications. Um, as far as air shows go, I I was actually on a crew for an air show for about three years because I'm trying to get into flying my own air shows over the next couple of years. 
So that was more of a mentorship program that I was going through with that air show performer to learn the ropes, uh, figure out how not to kill myself low level. I threw my son in there. Um, the favorite <clears throat> air show that I've been to is probably either Oshkosh or Sun and Fun because they're the bigger ones. But if you look at the smaller air shows that are just the most fun, um, I absolutely love the Madras show because they're a really great crowd. And uh, it's a pretty small community, but they're, they take really good care of you. And um, some of their after parties are <laughs> pretty exciting. They'll uh, bring you to like a, a ranch and everybody hangs out there. And um, a lot of it is about the community around the air show. I must admit that's one of the things that we find about our, our show, actually, when we've been to air shows. Uh, it's it's such a wonderful atmosphere, such a great community. I mean, we're very lucky in the fact that our wonderful listeners have uh, have sort of really, uh, they're just the best. And I dare say it's exactly the same with the people who, who are coming to watch what, what you're doing here. Uh, one question I've got here, Jody, actually, is that a GoPro that you've put on the wing? Because we're playing one of your videos at the moment. So this is the Intermediate uh, 2018 and a Tumble. Um, and is that a GoPro on, on the wingtip that you're filming that with? Yeah, it's actually, um, it is a GoPro, uh, but it's mounted on a sighting device. So because this pits in particular, we do a lot of uh, competition aerobatic flying where the name of the game is to make this look good to the people on the ground, right. make your lines look good, cut your lines in half with that roll and make it a perfect vertical or a perfect 45. So the sighting device on the wingtip will line up with the horizon and show you how far off of that vertical or that 45 line you are, whether you're upright, inverted, whatever. And uh, we've, we've uh, modified it a little bit to be able to hold the GoPro, which works really well at high speeds, but we, we've seen some flutter at lower speeds because it's got an arm to it uh, so we're going to experiment with a, a new sponsor and put the camera mount actually on the strut with some anti-vibration uh, stuff so I'm excited to try that out next week. Gotta go 360. Very cool. <laughs> and um, what's um, a question from uh, Shorty Cosgrove in the chat room uh, he asks how many ratings do you hold Jody? Um, so I'm not sure how that question translates um, as far as type ratings or in terms of uh, like instructor ratings I, I think I think pres presumably they, they'll be they'll be talking um, uh, type ratings I think is that right Nev yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay so um, I had a pilot proficiency check done on a Navajo and uh, Q400 and now working on the 737. So actually, that'll happen on Sunday night. So I'm oh, wow. shooting for three. <laughs> <laughs> Hence your head's in the yeah. books, essentially, trying to work out <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. That is why I've been living under the rock for yeah. the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I'll go back to the community thing real quick. The, so as I was chatting back and forth with Jody, it, it, it took about, I don't know, five minutes before we realized we knew a lot of the same people. Oh, really? And one of the things that is uh, exemplary of that aviation community is the Reno Air Races, right? So we were joking a little bit earlier with the, we're both wearing the same shirt. Um, <laughs> although Jody's, Jody's credentialed because she went to the Pylon Racing School. Yeah. 
But um, and don't take this the wrong way, mate. But she looks a lot better in it than you. Oh, I, nothing. <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm not trying to compete at all. <laughs> I, I'm starstruck right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and, and one of these things. So uh, Reno this year got a lot, a lot of attention. So I, I think most of us follow different people on YouTube. But I, you know, I know Steve from Flight Chops uh, was out with the Dreadnought team this year at Reno. And uh, Josh and Marissa from Aviation 101 were with Bad Dingo Air Racing at Reno. So, Jody, what's what's your Reno connection? <laughs> and what did you think about Reno? <laughs> uh, this is that's an interesting one. I uh, actually went for the first time last year. Um, flew in with one of my customers who wanted to build some time. And uh, my boyfriend was racing there in sport class. So I watched him race in sport class. It looked cool. It looked really exciting. I, I sat in on a lot of flights at the Pylon Racing School, and I helped Marshall on the ramp a little bit. And uh, it looked like a lot of fun. So instead of watching it, I wanted to give it a go. And uh, I mean, especially getting into my first plane and, and starting out in the airlines pretty recently, um, it made most financial sense to try out Formula One. Mm -hmm. But I also thought that the appeal to just having a little bit more of a level platform and seeing what you can do with the airframe and the engineering and uh, trying to be the best pilot with a more level platform was really appealing. So I uh, traded a bunch of shifts, took a bunch of time off, made it work to get to Pylon Racing School, found a plane that needed a pilot, and... Uh, then got awarded a 737 ground school. <laughs> <laughs> Had to uh, miss out on it. So I, I did not do my rookie year this year, but I'm hoping probably next year. Wow. Well, what's interesting about that is I'll be in Reno next year too. And although we will be competitors, oh. I, I won't be flying. I'll be supporting a team. <laughs> uh, right. like, it's, <laughs> it's like a rite of passage. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but the Reno community is super uh, tight and very close, yeah. although they are competing on the course in the hangars and oh, like. on the ramp everybody is very much helping each other right indeed yeah. so we've got a question yeah. uh, so oh, yeah, ne actually, nev we've got another one in from the tony s there. haven't we yeah. yes and uh, tony asks um uh, being a female um in what is still unfortunately a bit of a male dominated industry have you encountered any problems uh, during your career path you know, it's it's interesting to me. Um, when I go to an aerobatic competition or an air show, um, I don't generally have any problems. It's funny enough in the airline industry where, you know, you're seeing a lot of the lowest common denominator at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, because of that, you know, they're not used to being around airplanes and they'll be very surprised to see a female pilot. Some of them are um, really supportive of it. There's not too many times where I encounter issues. Really, I would say it's annoying to be mistaken for flight attendants after a 40 minute conversation about flying an airplane, <laughs> uh, but I, I wouldn't be offended by that uh, too no. much because it's just kind of become normal to me. Um, and I think that most people are actually really excited to see it. I've, I've had people run up and take pictures with me and things like that. So, um, once we establish that I'm not a flight attendant, <laughs> it's uh pretty smooth sailing. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, it does, it still baffles me, frankly, in this day and age in the fact that, I mean, really your ability should be the only barrier between 
doing what you want to do. If you are qualified and you are capable of doing it, it oh, should yeah. be completely irrelevant whether you're, you know, black, white, female, male, gay. It just, just shouldn't matter, should it? It should be all down to your actual skill set and, and what you are capable of doing. I find it, frankly, mind-blowing that in 2018 there are still... And I'm going to use the word strongly, morons out there <laughs> that that can't see past that. And and I'm very sorry that there are people in this world like that still. I, I think you have the best way to just send them to your YouTube channel. Yeah, you could point. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if I direct them to the one where I'm pouring the water inverted, that's uh, that would be my favorite. In fact, actually, should, should, should we should we watch yeah, this? Yeah. Talk us through this, yeah. please. Will you, Jody? Matt's not going to play the video. Yeah, there we go. The There's the video. Ridiculous thing. So, those of you who are watching on the YouTube video, uh, if you're if you're not, we'll we'll put links to this on the uh, on the thing. So, you're basically pouring a glass of water <laughs> here uh, whilst. Um, Doing something that, frankly, would make me bring up my chili. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> this is just insane. Now, now, uh, actually, Owen's quite good at describing stuff like this, so I might get him to give me an explanation here. But there's, there's some. Uh, how is this not going everywhere? Somebody explain to me why why the aeroplane <laughs> cockpit isn't full of water. I think Jody can explain. <laughs> well, yes, good point. Yeah. <laughs> So, again, like what I said before, there's a lot of different types of flying. And part of the reason I made this video is to prove that aerobatics is not actually all that scary. If you keep the plane coordinated and you keep the Gs positive, you can actually, as I've proved, go inverted. You can pour the water. Um, you can do steep turns as long as you're flying smoothly. And, again, using your rudders, keeping coordinated making sure that doesn't spill anywhere. So when people go for an aerobatic lesson with me, it's their first time, a lot of them would come to me and be like, oh, make me puke. I'm like, <laughs> no, no, because I have to clean up. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. B, if I'm flying well, you will not be sick. Um, this can be very smooth, very coordinated maneuver. And uh, that's what I was trying to prove when I when I made that video is uh, for some of those new people trying to get into aerobatics, if, if you're doing things well and you know what your personal limits are, you can actually make this a really enjoyable experience. Mm -hmm. So what I've done there is I've kept the plane perfectly coordinated and uh, I kept the G's positive the whole way around so that the gravity relative to me is always pointing at the floor essentially okay. yeah that's awesome i mean also you could put wet clothes in there and use it as a glorified tumble dryer i'm not <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's not just drink it's not just glasses of water that you've been playing with i've got another little video here oh, that you sent us that, it, that now, now this is the, good now the title of this is how acrobatic pilots eat smarties so uh just just explain just explain this one to us here so what's uh what are, what are you doing <laughs> Here we go. Go on. So the point of this one was I've always wanted to uh, catch a candy in zero gravity. No way. <laughs> and uh, so for for my birthday, I rented this super decathlon to the, one of the only people I knew who would let me potentially spill candy all over their <laughs> plane. And <laughs> then I would uh, roll inverted to catch anything I had missed at the end. But if you um, – when you're playing with G's, like I did with the uh, water video, everything was positive in that video. In the Smarty video, when we're at zero gravity, everything floats. But okay. depending on which way you're going, it can float 
backwards at you, which is what happened with these Smarties, which is, um, I'm not sure if you guys have it there. I've, I've learned since that they're actually a different thing in the U.S. Um, they no, call no, them we have Smarties, yeah, no, we have Smarties. like bad M&Ms. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a, a little chocolate candy. That's what we're yeah. calling it. Yeah. <laughs> and we, uh, we just went to Zero Gravity and I tried to catch them. Uh, now, this is a lot easier if you're flying, as it turns out, because you can gauge how much the things are floating and push <laughs> or pull according to that. So if you're pushing too much, it's going to go over your head. Mm. And if you're not pushing enough, it's not going to be quite zero gravity, so it's going to sink down. And um, my partner was in the back. He was actually pushing a little bit too much. So I, I sent you a fail compilation yeah. <laughs> trying to make this video yeah, where some of them didn't go out, go quite as planned. A lot of them flew over my head before we finally <laughs> caught there one. Flying all over the place, yeah. <laughs> and um, I think one almost went down my shirt. Right, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> um, but it was, it was a lot of fun to make this video. I actually learned there's certain zero gravity maneuvers like a hammer head where you go straight up and then kick over the top when you go straight up it'll actually fall backward at you <laughs> um so there there was definitely some learning involved <laughs> in, in trying so to awesome. uh, create this so, so, so i, I want to sort of spin back if i may to um your very one of the videos that you, you sent us was an introduction to acrobatics so i mean what was your very first lesson like uh, when it came to sort of deciding you were going to go down this frankly crazy path uh, <laughs> of wanting to become an acrobatic pilot i mean how did how did that all come about was it just something you were keen to do uh well i was excited to do it and actually when i was working on my instructor rating i did that on a 150 aerobat with an instructor who did not have experience in aerobatics and sometimes he would pick up the manual read how to do a maneuver and say hang on i have control and i would have no idea what he was about to do but he knew that you know i was excited to try out some aerobatics uh so he did a snap roll at one point and then talked me through how to do it and mine was better than his so you know he got a little upset by that one <laughs> we didn't do those anymore um Unofficially, that was kind of how I, I started because I finally had the equipment to give it a go. And after that, I moved out to BC to become a, an instructor and actually picked the flight school because it had a Cetabria and a Super Decathlon. And I, I knew that I really wanted to get into it. So I, I started out that way. I, I got checked out on their tail dragger at first. And um, that's actually how I inadvertently became more of a tailwheel instructor than an aerobatic instructor for a <laughs> while. Um, there's a lot more demand for that. and uh, But it was a lot of fun. I started out on the Cetabria giving demonstration rides to, to introductory people until I built up enough time to start teaching it. And uh, when you teach, you actually transition to the back. So in the video that you're seeing, this is what the student can see. I can see their head, and if I lean far enough, I can see my airspeed, my altitude, and I'm actually trimming that airplane with my foot. Oh, wow. Uh, so you've definitely got to build a little bit of time up before you move to the back and try to teach people how to do these things. Jody, early this year, we all had the, the great opportunity on our 200th episode to go into the SIM, the 737-800 SIM down in London. 
uh, with a load of our listeners and um, we absolutely had a fantastic day didn't we all we had a really good day uh, in the sim and it's a fixed base sim but um, it's used for training so it's a, you know it's fully fully you know for the training stuff and that but um, a lot of the pilots that we speak to dread going in the sim and and you know don't have a lot of love for the sim sort of training so I do you know how, how do you what are your views on the uh, sim training um well I have a bit of a problem <laughs> I, I do like to fly pretty compulsively I, I fly on my days off um I fly big airplanes to buy little airplanes like I said so for me after a few weeks of ground school this is the closest thing I'm going to get to flying a real airplane and, and usually by the time I get to sim training, this is the first time I haven't flown a plane for a month at a time. So I'm excited to, to try the thing out and, and learn the new airframe. Um, so for me, learning the airplane and seeing how it handles um, is really exciting. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure to study and perform well while you're in there. And it is a group effort uh, when you get into a two-crew plane. So you have to coordinate with your partner. It gets a lot more complicated, and as long as all that goes well, and and it will be frustrating at some times, but uh, yeah, I, I always do enjoy the actual simulator and and the new airplane quite a bit. Awesome, Armando. Uh, yeah, I've got a quick question. So, uh, so you're in the beginning stages of your commercial career, and um, basically, as as a young commercial pilot, you have this aerobatics background right so that's seat of the pants flying is that something especially you know maybe flying the q400 and now the 73 is that something that you've seen a difference between you and maybe your peers that are going through training with you where you have a, a lot more understanding of the aerodynamics and the seat of the pants flying um as opposed to the, the maybe some of the other young pilots that came up in technologically advanced aircraft um, definitely there's times where I do notice that, especially in the Q400 where we don't have a three-axis autopilot, so the pilot is in charge of the rudders. And as I showed you in that uh, video with the water, if you're not coordinated, things aren't going to go well. Um, I find I'm, like, twitching if somebody isn't <laughs> coordinating their rudder. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then there is no standard call for that, so you kind of sit through it unless <laughs> <laughs> too bad but um i i find that i because i was flying so many different types of planes when i was teaching tailwheel you know i, I flew eight different types in a single day and that was my record um i, I pick up different airframes a little bit more easily and the stick and rudder skills are definitely there but then i have to work really hard on focusing on getting those calls done and coordinating with my partner um, where sometimes I find that usually my sim partner will struggle with the airframe, so I'll help them with their flying, and they'll help me with my procedures, and it actually ends up working out really well for me in that way. That's great. That's actually probably the best way to do it, huh? It's just capitalize on everybody's strengths. So. Mm. Would you say that you preferred um, commercial flying, Jody, or the aerobatics that you do? Definitely the aerobatic flying. Um, the the airline flying really takes me away from a lot of what I like to do. I actually um, really miss <laughs> being involved in the general aviation community, which I got to do quite a bit when I was instructing because I could tie that in with my job. Um, but it does make traveling and, and getting back and forth 
to these things a lot more easily. I was able to ride jump seats on, on pilot agreements to get to Oshkosh this year, even though I only had a little bit of time <laughs> There's off. a benefit to everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> so come on, Jody, quick question for you. What, what's your preference, high wing or low wing? Um, I'm getting into formation right now. Oh, actually, and... hold on. You have to ask her, or bi-wing. Or bi-wing, yeah. Or bi-wing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah bi-plane is, is amazing, uh, and it has a lot more ramp presence. <laughs> so <laughs> as long as you don't want to do a quick fuel stop because people swarm the thing, <laughs> you, you can't get out of there. But um, definitely the low wing when it comes to formation flying. Um, because your visibility is so much better. I'm trying to learn to do formation flying with the biplanes right now, and it's a totally different set of challenges because you've got blind spots up high and you've got blind spots up like down low, and you've got struts and wires everywhere. Um, so you're going to get a lot more performance out of that plane, but it's uh, a bit of a trade-off. Actually, you're, you're quite good at formation flying, Amando, in the PA-28. We found out early this year. Yeah, it's funny that the concepts are <laughs> the concepts are really the same whether you're in a military aircraft or a or a PA twenty eight or a or a pits. It's oh, you just, just had to drop that in there, didn't you? Well, yeah. Yeah, well yeah. I mean, it re really, it's it's the same concept. It's just how fast you're going and how right. fast the yeah. aircraft. Like Jody was saying, you know, the pits is a very responsive air airplane. The extras are very responsive. The Lancers are responsive. So it's just about I don't know control input. Would you say it's uh, sorry, control input differences in... A different aircraft flying formation. Oh, uh, definitely, especially when it comes to the dissimilar types. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I don't think that I've noticed too much of a difference between the the handling characteristics in terms of the, the high wing and the low wing being a challenge. Usually it's the, the amount of drag in the airframe. So the... The pits actually took that to try and do some formation flying with the Epic yeah. um, <laughs> before I came here, which is a turboprop experimental plane uh, single engine. So it's kind of like trying to fly formation with a pits and a Pilatus. Yeah. He's got 150 horsepower <laughs> and I've got 180. <laughs> we got to make it work. Um, so you're going to find it will be usually very enlightening as to who accelerates more quickly and who loses energy in a turn. Sure. Um, yeah. We've got another question from the chat room, uh, Jody, from uh, Matthew Buntingframe. And uh, it's a great question, actually. So the kind of future, where, where do you see yourself in five years? What is your ultimate career goal? What I'm trying to do right now is qualify to try out for Red Bull Air Races. Um, so wow. as long as that's still around, I'd like to get top 50% in the world in competitive aerobatics, neither advanced or unlimited, and a surface level air show waiver just to be able to qualify for that. Uh, so I'm hoping that the PITS is a good platform. Um, and hopefully five years down the road, I can afford something uh, with a little bit more performance. I don't know what that will be, but uh, right now it looks like the really competitive planes are the MX2s and the Edges and the uh, Extras really come a long way as well. So probably still fly the pits, keep those around because I just love pitses, but uh, keep on with an airline that will help me afford my flying habits. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. just looking for a, 
a bigger airframe and more time off to to do what I love and and get more involved in the air shows and the racing. Well, if you ever need a logo, uh, Jody, you know, to put on the aircraft when you when you do the uh, the Red Bull, you know, feel free please, to feel free to put the PTUK please logo. ignore Carlos, <laughs> please. Oh, I'm very cool ashamed of my code. Cool would that be to see that? Oh, that'd be so oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, so um, any more questions, uh, uh, Nev? Have you got uh, any more questions for Jody? Oh, let me look through the chat room actually. And uh, Liz just says, uh, uh, "Can you make sure that you keep us up to date with how your check goes?" Yeah, Ooh, do. Yes. absolutely. Yeah, stay in touch with the show. Yeah, I definitely will. And uh, someone's actually also asked in the chat room, uh, Jody, about uh, whereabouts I can find out kind of more stuff about you and that the YouTube channel and um, in, you know, and where can, they can kind of follow your progress. Yeah, I, I did try YouTube for a little bit. It's not nearly as popular as um, my Instagram has done a lot better for me. I will put longer videos on my YouTube, but I don't update it as regularly. Uh, so my my quota filler, <laughs> and uh, that gets updated pretty regularly. So that's okay. at quota filler. Right, on okay. Instagram. And what's that? That's on Instagram, yeah? Yeah. Okay, yeah. very good. And there's some awesome little videos and stuff on there. You've got... Uh, got if you're on Instagram, it's definitely worth definitely worth following Jody to uh, to see the adventures and the great photos and stuff. But Armando, I think there's one more question to ask. Her, right? <gasps> go on then. Uh, go on. We'll let you no, do that, no, Armando. Do yeah, that. go on, Armando. Time. You can take the last question. Go on. Is she still there? No, she's not. She's disappeared. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. No. oh no! We'll never know. We'll <laughs> never know. Hopefully, we'll just give it a minute. It might come back. I'll have to do some editing. I think now. So apologies, just take a look. Uh, 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 Jody, are you there? Uh, no, she's not. She has. Uh, she's not. definitely dropped offline. Yeah, are you still there, Nev? Oh yes. Right. So it's not our end then. That's at least something. <laughs> oh no, Jody. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. You just have to invite her back, and we'll, hold on. We'll ask her. Yeah, we'll have initially. to ask her the, the, yeah. the next another question. <laughs> oh, hold on, dear. We I'll only uh... had one question left to go, <laughs> and then it was time to bring the show to a close. I think it may be her internet connection because oh, it has delivered. Oh, we'll, we'll okay. find. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. It might, might be a computer crash. To be fair, it is. Uh, oh dear, it's been one of those shows, hasn't it, Nev? To be fair. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, a bit disjointed at times, certainly. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so well, we'll, we'll just sort of give it a minute or two in the hope that Jody. It's because it's nine o'clock. You see, it's curfew it's time. Yes, you curfew see, that's time. what it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We'll just have to see what happens. So we, you can see her, she's in the little window at the bottom there. So hopefully uh, we'll see her when, when she, she comes, comes back. back hopefully, yeah. let's hope so. Uh, did, uh, you've messaged her, yeah? Yeah, I have. Oh, yeah, okay, I've just right. messaged her. Oh, she's just typing back. We'll find out. In a okay, second. we'll find out what's happening. Find out in a second okay. What's happening. But uh, she may have had enough of us. To be fair, <laughs> that may have been enough. As oh, the hotel Wi-Fi has uh, let her down. <gasps> oh no. Oh, no. Okay, we'll we'll give it a minute. Hopefully, it will come back. Oh dear! As a as a gap filler, I know you were playing the videos, but those those videos on her YouTube channel are pretty awesome. Yeah, they are, aren't they? Yeah, that's they, uh, it's absolutely fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, at, at quota uh, yeah, filler, quota filler on Instagram. If you want to find Jode, if you are on Instagram, she does have some really really awesome photos mm. and videos of uh, of her flying on there, and uh, I think she's got she's got over ten thousand. Um, followers wow. on Instagram. I'm not so. at all surprised. 
Um, yeah, it uh, does. Not it, at, all, at all surprised. Yeah. It's, um, and it's nice to see that she's, you know, finding the time to not only, you know, follow the commercial route, but also and also do the, you know, the aerobatic the flying and yeah, stuff, actually. which is is. I is keep wanting to call it acrobatic. <laughs> I could do a handstand. Yeah, in a, absolutely. Yeah. What do you reckon, Armando? A handstand in the uh, 150. Uh, yeah, we could do it once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could do it once. Yeah. Hold on. I, I, so, uh, uh, how is how is your gymnastics, by the way, uh, Nev? I mean, it's <laughs> oh, when I when I was fourteen, uh, nobody could touch me. But right, uh, you know, I've, I've put on a few pounds since then. Have you? <laughs> wow. And how is the electrical content in Buckinghamshire, Nev? Uh, we are full on. I'm pleased to say we have 238 volts, and that's good enough for me. Um, and uh, yeah, the very odd. I think the whole village went out actually. So, uh, oh, wow. of course, when it comes back on, the it, the router takes ages to because everybody's trying to reconnect. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. Uh, I was going to try it on 4G previously, but everybody had the same idea. So yes. all that bandwidth got used up uh, very quickly as well. Um, just whilst we're waiting for for Jody to come back, um, I was just going to mention. Oh that yeah. Um, I had a nice email from those fine folk at the Heathrow Media Centre uh, whilst we were on the show. And um, we're going to be doing some filming down at Heathrow on Monday the 22nd of October. And uh, Philip Davis is going to be down there along with Pilot Pip. So I thought I would take my gear down there. We'll do some interviews. And anyone else that would like to join us uh, 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 down there, uh, Phil's going to be there from 6 a.m. Uh, so uh, <laughs> good luck with that, Phil. Uh, I shall be there. <laughs> well, and what time uh, are you getting there? <laughs> <Next>. <laughs> Outside, probably. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you're lucky. Well, uh, but we're, we're going to be down by the um, the spotting area, the uh, um, enclosed area down by the Heathrow okay. Academy there. And um, so, yeah, Heathrow said it's okay for us to do some filming down there, which is brilliant. Oh, so, fantastic. Uh, oh, I'll anyone that would that. like to come along, we'll probably spend the, most of the day down there. So, oh, if anyone okay. is so around. R- remind everybody what the date is again, Nev? That is Monday, the 22nd of October. So, that's okay. Monday week. Yeah. And uh, from 6 a.m. onwards, right. uh, if, you can, <laughs> okay. uh, if you can bear it. Although, although that's not compulsory. You can come a bit later no. if you like. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, so yeah. I did get a message from Jody saying that her, her Wi-Fi is probably not going to let her uh, log back on. Oh, However, no. I did manage to get an answer to the question. Oh, go on. Far away. Her choice is the Super Tucano. Oh, oh. oh. Now that's a new one. Not Probably heard makes that one sense. Before. Oh dear. That's good. Oh well. So we didn't get to, we didn't get to say goodbye. But Jody, if you are watching, thank you so very much for joining us. Yes, uh, on the thank show. you, You've been Jody. An absolute star. Thank you for sticking with us and being a fantastic guest. Um, that is where we're going to bring episode number two hundred and thirty-eight to a close. Uh, anything else to say? I, I do have a little announcement. I'm on holiday for two weeks. Oh, what are you going to do? Uh, well, I'm going away in my caravan, um, which might mean Carlos may well be flying solo for the next two weeks. So that oh, my be, God. That should be fun. So I'm going to be on my own here in the PTUK studios. Well, yeah, but actually, this time it's going to be a lot easier because I haven't got to come in here and plug air cables in and yes. wires and da 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 da. I've just got to press button you have well you've got to press more than one well, more than one but, button yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but initially uh, it's yeah. one button yeah and the good news is that you don't have to worry about nev because nev can automatically connect to the tower without having to do anything so it's all it's all gonna be hunky dory so uh, watch the space <laughs> station gentlemen. this could be hilarious uh we'll we'll see what happens uh wi-fi Next permitting week. Yeah. Wi-Fi permitting, I will also be joining uh, on the Friday, uh, the, the two Fridays in a way. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. As I say, because I'm yeah. basically going to deepest, darkest Norfolk. You know where they have webbed <laughs> fingers and stuff. So um, 
I can't be sure that there is going to be a decent connection where I'm going. Cause You're going to be in a Karana van, aren't you? Kaba- yeah, I am. Yeah, no, 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 we've had a couple of successful broadcasts from the Karavan before, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm really not sure oh. what quite what's going to happen uh, in the middle of nowhere. So, uh, yes, hopefully, all being well, I shall be joining you. But that is awesome. where we're going to bring the show to a close. Anything yep. else to say, Carlos, before we wrap up? Well, don't forget, guys and girls, that uh, you can send us in your feedback, just like Ray Davis did. Uh, he sent his feedback through uh, Facebook Messenger. He sent us a video mm. on there, which Matt played today on the show. But you can send us feedback, audio feedback, through uh, our email address, which is podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. And you can also look on our website, plaintalkinguk.com, and you can uh, grab yourself a T-shirt on Ooh. there. We, sell, yeah. we are still selling T-shirts. <laughs> and uh, you can also catch up on what's been going on with us there on the website. Don't forget, we are on Twitter, at Plain Talking yes. UK, on Facebook, on yeah. Instagram as well. The long, long the short of it is we're everywhere. Search social media for Plain Talking UK. And you'll all find us. And you will and find, find us. So, Armando, where can people find out about you? Um, well, it's not very hard to find my YouTube channel, which is just Armando Carrion. Yeah. That's okay. one of the joys about having a, a sort of quite a unique name, isn't it? Yeah. Really, sort of. Yeah, there's not too many of them. <laughs> no, no, indeed, um, absolutely. But really, that's that or uh, good old, good old Facebook, good old book of face. Yeah. There we are. Uh, obviously, NevTech from the NevTech Studio. How do they get hold of you if they want to? Oh yes, well, the best thing to do is if you send an email to podcast at plaintalkinguk.com, uh, you, you can do that and I will respond to you as quickly as I can. And we've got some, I think we've got the potentials for some very interesting content coming up in the next couple of yeah, months. We can't say anything about it at the moment. We've no. just had a very interesting email today, so Indeed we'll we uh, have, tell you yes. more about that when we can. It's yeah. all very secret. It is. Well, well it's not really a secret, well, it's not really but secret. we ought to just get a few things in place yeah. before we start to Dot the eyes and cross yeah, the absolutely. thingies. Uh, So uh, that is where we are going to bring episode 238 of the show to a close. A massive, massive thank you again to Jodie for joining us on the show. Sorry she couldn't be here to say goodbye, but like I said, the hotel Wi-Fi has let her down. down. And a massive thank you, as always, to Armando for travelling halfway across... Europe to come and see us here. <laughs> Halfway across Europe. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm from Bury St. Yeah, it was well, about an hour. About an hour, but it's about an hour. The roads well, are treacherous. Pro- yeah. but thank you to you <laughs> as well, Thanks, Armando. <laughs> and as always, we'll say a big thank you to our massive, awesome chap there, Mr. Neville Bounds, yeah. over there in Buckinghamshire. Yeah, yeah, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, a ba- it's bad with that power. Yeah, and don't forget. Oh, yeah. Before we go, a big thanks to everyone who's been watching us on yeah. YouTube live this evening and to everyone who downloads the show via the audio platforms as yep. well, including iTunes. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, if you do download the show through iTunes, me, Matt, and Nev would love to have uh, a review left for us on iTunes. No, so, no we wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt wouldn't. But me and Nev would love to hear from you if you want to leave us yeah. a review We'd on like iTunes. We'd five-star review. Obviously yeah. five stars. Yeah. That would be okay. great. Um, four and a half was not too bad. I mean, um, I mean, we do have good news now because we are we are officially listed by the National Health Service as the official cure for insomnia now. So, we are. So that yes. that is that you know that that is a big touch. So if nothing else, we should get five stars for that, ladies and gentlemen. And on that bombshell, it is time to end from all of us here in the studio. Take and care, everyone. Have a great weekend, Buckinghamshire. Everyone, say goodbye. Bye. Bye. See you. Bye.
So, am, 